Hey, this is Carl, and you're listening to the 55th episode of Kid Men Talk. Hey, I got a lot on my mind today. I'm going to be talking about Yosemite Summit, a little bit about angry birds and lightsaber battles. I've got a book about Steve Jobs and something cool you can learn about getting things done in children's ministry when you face opposition. A little lesson from Steve. I've got something awesome to tell you about, about speed stacks in Awana. You know, it's kind of like uh, when peanut butter and chocolate get collided and you got Reese's peanut butter cups. It's pretty cool and I can't wait to tell you about it. And I've got a little sneak peek to tell you about um, of a new gospel tool that is coming out from Kidology very soon. So sit back and relax and um, just grab a Coke. I've got some Twizzlers here and I'm sitting here. i got my uh, Jim Weidman bobblehead and I'm just ready to sit back and chat with you. I've also got a book I want to give away. It's called Emery's Gift. If you're a guy and you remember in middle school maybe falling in love with a teacher, being too shy to talk to that girl down the street and um, had some awkwardness in your family, whatever, you want to read a great novel. I talked about it last year. It was a, a sponsor last year. I still got a couple extra copies that the author sent me because he enjoyed the podcast as well and uh, I'd love to give one away. So whoever emails me and just asks for a copy of W. Bruce Cameron's Emery's Gift Novel, I'm going to drop it in the mail to you on my dime. So let's sit down and let's talk Kidman. Well, it's great to be back. I know I haven't done a podcast in a couple weeks, but it has been some crazy busy couple of weeks. Busier than I like, but busy doing some really good things. But it's great to get a chance to just to sit down and kind of hang out with you. In fact, uh, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, um, I just hope that you'll enjoy uh, spending some time with me. In fact, uh, um, let me just open up with a word of prayer. In fact, I'm going to do my imitation of Erwin Lutzer imitating Billy Graham. It kind of goes like this. Wherever you are, whether you're in your living room or in the kitchen or driving down the highway, close your eyes. I always love when, when the Lutzer does his Billy Graham impersonation and part about closing the eyes on the highway. But let me just pray for you. Dear Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for those uh, who listen to this podcast and and for what they're doing in the lives of kids, working so hard week in and week out, especially, Lord, those who are part-time, who are volunteer. Um, part-time is uh, almost a joke in children's ministry because they put in so much time above and beyond. And even those who are full-time, they, it's not a 40-hour, 50-hour week, Lord. It's a 70, 80-hour-a-week job. And you see those things that nobody else sees. And Lord God, especially those who are volunteers and leading ministries, or whether they're just uh, serving uh, as a volunteer at a ministry, Lord God, they're making a difference in the lives of kids. They're impacting those kids' families, and they're just doing incredible things. And only eternity is going to actually reveal the impact that they're having. And Lord, I thank you that I get to have a little bit of an influence in their life through this podcast. I thank you for the encouragement that I get when I hear from them through email, through Twitter, through Facebook, and through uh, those rare occasions when I actually get to cross paths with people in person. And so I just want to ask your blessing. And it's so incredible that through a podcast while I'm praying right now, uh, when they listen to this prayer, it'll be like uh, uh, the prayer gets multiplied um, because it will be prayed again uh, as it's listened to later. And just thank you for the technology advances that we have, um, that through the internet, through podcasts, and through email, and all these other means, we're able to amplify the message and the passion um, that we have. And so I just uh, ask that you would help me today, as I just got a lot of things that I want to talk about and share, um, that there would just be a camaraderie between us, um, even as those just 
um, enjoy and listening. And so I just commit this time to you. Amen. Hey, I know I've never prayed on the podcast before. At least I don't remember doing that. But uh, I just love this opportunity. And today I just want to share some things that are on my mind and uh, got some cool stuff for you, some sneak peeks of some things that are going on. If you listen to the podcast, it's kind of like the inside track of some really cool stuff that is either coming down the pipe in kidology or even in children's ministry in a in a broader sense. Uh, and the, today's podcast is sponsored by unpaid sponsorship. I give away sponsorships. If you want to sponsor a podcast, hey, you can support kidology and we'll do that. But a lot of times I just pick a sponsor of someone I just want to give a shout out to. And I'll explain later in the podcast why. But today's podcast is sponsored by Speedstacks, uh, the fastest growing kids sport in America and by Awana Clubs, one of the greatest outreach ministries of the church and not just the children's ministry of the entire church. And I'll explain why I've got a dual sponsorship when I talk about Speedstacks and Awana a little bit later in the podcast and something very cool that is coming to children's ministry uh, and to the kingdom of God through both of those companies and ministries, one's a company, one's a ministry, and they're gonna they're gonna be colliding, kind of like peanut butter and chocolate in Reese's peanut butter cups. Something I've been working on for literally a decade um, is gonna be coming to the world of children's ministry this year, and it's pretty awesome. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about Yosemite Summit. I am back from the sixth annual Yosemite Summit. Now, I know the ladies get a little mad at me when I talk about Yosemite Summit. I get emails, um, I get Facebook posts uh, from gals saying, hey, how come you don't do one of these for women? And I usually joke that my wife doesn't really like the idea of me uh, going off into the woods in a cabin with a bunch of women. So, And I know that's that's a joke and maybe not a good one, but uh, we did do a retreat for women for several years. It was called Unbridled, and I had a um, friend of mine, a gal named Kim Bob, and she did a retreat for several years, and um, it was uh, awesome retreat, and it was very successful. And um, but uh, we're not we're not doing that one currently right now. We'd love to do do something like Yosemite Summit for ladies. In fact, uh, if there's a gal out there listening who's got a passion um, for doing a spiritual kind of uh, retreat for ladies and maybe wants to do one like Yosemite Summit, let me know. And um, we're not opposed to that. But Yosemite Summit is something that uh, I started back in 2008. And um, I won't spend a lot of time here. You can read about it on the website. Um, I share a lot of detail on why in the first leadership lab, first things first, I go into a lot of detail of just really the things I learned about the need for recreation not just recreation, but recreation, and um, in the journey that led me to create Yosemite Summit. Um, so it started as something that I learned that I need. I was on hyperdrive, leading a full-time children's ministry, leading kidology full-time, and reached a kind of a crisis point in 2006. And I, I had to be completely rewired from the inside out. And part of that rewiring and relearning um, how to walk with God, how to be a better husband, how to be a better dad, was realizing I had to build into my life proactively um, a time to be recreated, to be renewed, to be refreshed. And for me, that meant completely unplugging from all this electronic stuff, email, voicemail, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, just the demands of people Oh, needing me, wanting me, and even me feeling needed and feeling wanted and wanting to give, 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 and to really just walk with God for a week. And um, so it's kind of, you know, I kept looking for a way to do it. And um, 
invited some guys to come along with me. And it was a huge step of faith the first year because we don't camp. We get a nice lodge. We eat great food. We do these day hikes. And uh, you can go to YosemiteSummit.org and you can check it out. I'm actually redoing the website right now. It looks fantastic. There's more to come. There's going to be photo portfolios. And uh, I've added a video page where you can see all the videos. And I haven't done the report from this year yet. I'm still going through all the photos and editing. And I'm going to be doing a highlight video and a full report. That's going to be coming. And uh, But it was a great year. We had fantastic weather. Every year is the best year because it's what I need every year. Um, but I used to take larger groups. I used to take eight or nine guys. And this year and last year, I decided to go with a smaller group. And this year, I just had five guys. And um, last year was six. And uh, it has been wonderful. Not that those weren't great years with those bigger groups, but the smaller, intimate group has just been fantastic. And I've decided to keep doing that. And I've already got one friend who said he's, he's in for next year. So that means I've only got three openings left for Yosemite Summit 2014. So if there's a guy out there who's been praying about it, it, it hasn't been fitting his calendar or whatever, or his budget, then, um, hey, you need to you need to let me know because I, I am expecting 2014 to fill up. In fact, I've had three or four guys who wanted to come this year and it was there was a conflict on their calendar and they said, hey, I'm, I'm in for next year. So um, I think there's gonna be a little bit of a rush for it. That, that's my hope, that's my prayer. And um, it is for guys who... Um, sometimes it's guys who really are in a crisis situation. I mean, they're burning out like I was. They're needing a, a break. They're needing some healing, some reprogramming. Sometimes it, it's not that. I mean, sometimes it's just guys that recognize that they need a break. Sometimes it's guys going on sabbatical. They start their sabbatical uh, with this thing. So guys come for all different reasons. But often once they get there, they realize God brought them there for an entirely different reason than they even expected. Sometimes God's preparing them for things that unforeseen are going to happen after the summit. And I get emails later saying, man, I had no idea what was ahead of me. And God used that summit to prepare me. Because we talk a lot about just our identity of just being children of God, just being dads, just being husbands. And um, we don't talk ministry that's why it's called the unconference. There's no workshops, just worship, no resources, just relationships, no networking, just God working. We don't pray about our ministries. We're not there to get a grand new vision from God for what's next in our ministry. Um, in fact, I fire the guys, you know, that's kind of let the secret out. Um, but they're not even children's pastors or, or senior pastors or, or ministers when they're there. They, 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 they release all of that and uh, we really just walk with God. And we had great weather this year we did some fantastic hikes it's just spectacular and uh, there's just something about um being with god in the in the creation and, and in the in the settings that are there and oh, i was wishing my my journal was here uh handy because i wanted to maybe see if there was something in there just to share with you guys oh there it is let me see if, if my mic uh can reach i'm gonna i don't want to hit pause so i'm seeing if i can stretch across the room my mic's long enough uh, headphone stretchy cords long enough. Yeah, let me let me just peek into the journal. I have one journal that I have used every year uh, for the last six years, and um, let me just peek through here and see if there's if there's something that uh, that's worthy of uh, of kind of sharing with you. And uh, you know, there's just so many insights in the nature, and I love hearing the things that the guys share. But um, yeah, you know, just a couple of things I, I journaled here. You know, I talked about how storms create beauty. And uh, I wrote in here, you know, so much of the beauty and the uniqueness in Yosemite, so much of what will catch your eye or be deemed worthy of capturing via photography 
is a result of trauma. Storm or fire or lightning or landslide or other stress, something went wrong and nature recovered or renewed or went on and beauty was the result. If everything was perfect and life progressed without trauma or crisis, Yosemite would not be the spectacular place that it is. Crisis creates character. Recovery from trauma brings uniqueness out of renewal. The same is true of people. You know, I, I just saw that everywhere I looked. You know, it was the bent trees. It was the landsides. It was the burned out tree in the midst of beautiful, uh, fresh growth that, that caught the eye and, and, and became picture worthy. And, um, and I thought, you know, that, that's how it's true in our life. We've all been through hard times. We've all had failures. We've all had heartbreak. Um, we've all had relationships um, that, that went through tough times and, and through counseling and through restoration and through forgiveness. Um, those relationships became deeper and, um, and our, our characters grew. And, and the beauty of life, um, the things that are most important to us, uh, became richer because of the trauma and the crises that we went through. And while we don't like those things, um, they become better because of it. You know, that's why James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face persecution and trials, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, one of the things I, I did this year, uh, one of our hikes, I've memorized the book of James. And um, so I did a scripture walk this year where I recited the book of James uh, in character as though I was James and um, kind of just taught the book of James um, just in a kind of fun narrative way as, as I hiked with the guys along the Panorama Trail, um, kind of a time-traveling visitor. Um, just such a, a fantastic book. Um, you know, I talked about, uh, I journaled here uh, in one section about how railings are rare in Yosemite. There's very few places where there's railings. You know, life and death are often separated only by inches, and it's wise decisions that, that keep you safe. Uh, what's required are mental rails to keep you safe. You've got to make a lot of wise decisions, and the same is true in life. You know, when you're a kid, there's all kinds of boundaries and rules and railings and people telling you what to do and what not to do. You go to Disneyland, there's all kinds of, you know, safety things, and yet you go to a national park, there's very few. You know, you go to Taft Point, where it's a half mile down, I think 3,500 feet or something, to the valley floor. They give you one railing, about three feet across, I think, uh, where you can kind of look at the railing and lean over and look down but the rest of it there's even fissures there's these cracks that go down to the valley below and um you don't want to take a toddler up there it's it's pretty scary um but the rest of it you know it's up to you to be wise and to be safe and to use your free will and your wisdom to keep safe and that's that's why there are deaths in yosemite because there are people who make foolish decisions they they go out into the deceptively still uh, waters um uh just 100 feet up of the vernal falls and um and, and, and tragic results, often um, as they realize they're, they're going, they'll actually grab the ankle of another innocent person and take them with them uh, in that death grip. Um, I have a blog post on Yosemite Summit called, Is Yosemite Safe? And I kind of address um, that Yosemite is a safe place if you respect it. And if you acknowledge that, that, that there is danger there, but if you stay on the trails, use wisdom, use, um, you know, some sanity, um, you can hike there and have a great time and be perfectly safe. Uh, there's, of course, always the risk of being struck by a lightning or a landslide or something that uh, you can't avoid, uh, but that can happen driving down the highway as well. Um, but the same is true in life. You know, there's very few railings. You've got to use wisdom. You've got to use guidance uh, to avoid um, fatal errors and things that could derail you. 
Um, you know, just a lot of cool things. You know, I could sit here and just read from my journal for the whole podcast, but uh, so many neat uh, life lessons, and uh, many of those I may be posting in the blog um, on Yosemite Summit, and of course, many of them are private. But I, I would love to have some of you guys out there consider joining me next year. And for those of you who can't come to Yosemite Summit, um, you know what? If it's a financial hurdle, talk to me. I, I often have scholarship many guys over the years um, who the cost of coming is a hurdle. So don't let that keep you. If that is something you need or something you want, then you, you talk to me. And um, there's several guys I've, I've personally uh, helped come. I've also had uh, others uh, help provide scholarships so the guy, guys can go. Um, but but even so, you don't have to go to Yosemite to have that time away with God. You can, you can plan your own. I've had several guys create their own summits after they've experienced Yosemite Summit. Some have actually done it in Yosemite. Others have done it um, their own in, in other places and other ways. But you need to get that time with God. You've got to ask yourself, as I was asked back in 2006, what will it take for you to be recreated? Um what would refresh you? What will renew you? What will refill you up? And then you've got to intentionally plan that into your life. Part of my moving to Colorado was after three Yosemite summits realizing this isn't enough. One time a year isn't enough for me. I got to have mountains and creeks and valleys and big sky around me more often. And um, once a year wasn't enough for me. And I still don't get hiking enough, even living in Colorado, <laughs> as I would like. Um, but I realized I needed, I needed uh, a life change. And, uh, and I pursued that. So pursue that. And um, so that's enough about Yosemite Summit. But um, so important. And I, just let me just last say, I don't have time for it. If you're thinking I don't have time for it, I never have time for Yosemite Summit. It just comes and I just got to drop everything and go. And um, I'm always stressed out right before it. I always behind on email and projects. I often have to ask for deadline extensions like I just did for the next Disciple Town. Ask Disciple Land, hey, can I have a, an extra month on the next Disciple Town? They very graciously let me. So I'm not on top of everything. Um, I'm not Mr. Uh, perfect in control of my life and world. Um, but I just do it. I just do it because me and God need it. And then I let the chips fall where they fall. But it's the best thing for my soul. So sometimes you just got to do those things you need, regardless of whether you, quote unquote, have the time for it. Um, what's next on my list here? You know what? This is crazy. It may have nothing to do with uh, children's ministry. But uh, my life, uh, I was thinking about, you know, what, what's going on in my life? Uh, what's fun? And I got to tell you, angry birds and lightsaber battles are a big part of my life right now. I don't know if you're into angry birds. I was so proud of myself that I avoided that phase. Um, and in fact, you know, Angry Birds has kind of like taken over the world. And last year at the, uh, oh, which conference was that? I think it was the Northwest Ministry Conference with Stephen Knight, one of our staff members uh, who went along with me. Great guys, our content uh, coordinator on Kidology. And we were there and, and I was bragging to him, like in a kind of a humorous way, that I had avoided the Angry Birds phase. I said, I haven't played it. They haven't got a dime of my money. That phase is going to come and go. And he just very casually says to me, you do realize they have a Star Wars version. And I immediately said, I'm in. <laughs> Fired up my iPad, downloaded Angry Birds Star Wars, and I'm in 150%, 200%. It is awesome. If you have not played Angry Birds Star Wars, if you're like me, you're holding out, you got to play it. It's awesome. And it's better than all the other Angry Birds. So I brought it home, introduced my son to it. He's seven years old. He was six then. He's gone bananas over the Angry Birds. So now we got the Angry Birds pajamas, the bath towel, the backpack, you know, the little traveling 
you know, suitcase. We're all in, you know. And uh, it's great because, you know, with the whole Star Wars tie-in, it's kind of a way to get my son into Star Wars because he wasn't, you know, a big Star Wars fan like me. He's more into, you know, cars and stuff like that. But uh, we're really enjoying it. But what's cool about Angry Birds uh, that happened at Christmas time, so many video games are digital versions of things in real life. You know, you can't drive a car, so you play a video game. Or, you, you know, you, you want to be an army guy, so you be a plastic army guy in a video game. Something cool has happened with Angry Birds. It's happened in reverse. Angry Birds started out as a video game, but it has become a physical game. So my son and I, like every day now, spend more time playing the actual physical Angry Birds Star Wars than we do on the iPad or iPhone now. And it's really cool. We, you can buy these Star Wars AT-AT. In fact, just this week, we bought Jabba's Palace for 10 bucks at Target. And you get these little birds and these little pigs. And, and of course, I'm always taking the Jesus action figure. And he's, Jesus is always telling them that they need to be the kind and gentle birds. And it hasn't worked. But we set these up. In fact, maybe I'll throw up one of the videos on YouTube and link it in the show notes. Um, and we just have so much fun, father, son, setting these up and shooting with a little slingshot. And Luke takes it very seriously. He he makes me shoot long ways because he's like, that's how it is on the video game. But I want to shoot like at the setup. And he makes me shoot like sideways where you can't see it all because he's he's got the flat screen in mind, if you can picture that, where you're shooting, you know, from the vertical angle. And, uh, and I'm like, no, I want to shoot straight at everything. Or I have a better, like a wall that I want to shoot at. Not alongside the, from the, you know, the angle. Anyway, it's hard to describe this on a podcast. But anyway, it's a blast. And um, and then he started watching the Clone Wars on Star Wars. Um, the old Cartoon Network version. Not the weird looking, video game looking Clone Wars. Which I hear is a great story, but I'm not really into it visually. And now he's like, he wants to play with Star Wars. Lightsabers. And of course, I have tons of lightsabers down in my Star Wars museum in my basement. So every day we're out doing lightsaber battles and it's so much fun. And my encouragement to you is just, you gotta play. If you've got kids, you gotta play. I, I'm kind of bummed my son just finished kindergarten and be in first grade because I've enjoyed having him at home so much. And he comes down, he interrupts me from working a lot and he actually takes the Jesus figure and <laughs> I have his Jesus action figure. And uh, we sell them on Kidology. I, I think we still sell them. I'll have to check. And if we do, we'll we'll link it. It's I feel t- like a, you know, selling things in the temple, selling Jesus action figures. Like Jesus is going to come with a whip. But long story where that came from, just because of Toy Box Tales, people demanded to know where they could get that Jesus action figure that's in so many of the um, Toy Box Tales. And, uh, but he'll come in with the Jesus action figure and be like, Daddy or Carl, you need to play with your son. He wants to play Angry Birds or lightsaber battle. So I I kind of have to obey Jesus. I mean, if Jesus is telling you to play with your son, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Say, no, I have to keep working. So anyway, that's uh, something like he knows it works. And how do I say no to Jesus? So um, be, hide the Jesus action figure if you got a lot to do. And because um, your son can manipulate you with a Jesus action figure. But it's a lot of fun. But I encourage you, you know, if you like Star Wars, like Angry Birds, check that out. You could even do it in um, kids' church as a game. It'd be a lot of fun. Kind of set that up. And in fact, I just tweeted, I think last night, a giant Jenga um, game that was on the Ellen show, which I thought was pretty funny. And I thought, you could 
you could do that in kids' church. Set up a giant Angry Birds and a giant Jungo or whatever and let the kids um, try that. It's be a lot of fun. So anyway, I don't even know if I should have brought that up, but it, it's just for something I put down. I'm having a lot of fun doing. Um, but I just think that importance of stopping your work um, to play is so important. And uh, yeah, you can even do it in the office. You know, just get some Angry Birds, set it up, go grab a staff member and say, hey, let's go play some Angry Birds Star Wars, but not on the iPad or the computer. But yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up too that uh, I picked up a book at the um, at the airport, and you guys will laugh, I'll, you know. And you anti Apple Steve Jobs haters, you know, you can just fast forward. Uh, but I picked up a good book. And of course, there's tons of Steve Jobs books right now. Um, he's a little bit of a tech god. I realize he died in his prime, um, so he didn't have the opportunity to to, to fizzle out. Um, probably a blessing in some ways, kind of like uh, some of the actors and actresses you know who die in their prime and so they get idolized um a lot of great lessons though from steve jobs life and i, I think some of it may be uh over glorified he is just a man but i'm reading a really good book it's it's called the steve jobs way it's i leadership for the next generation for the new a new generation let me say that again i leadership for a new generation it's by jay elliott and jay elliott um was the former senior vice president of apple and this guy um, was with Steve Jobs all along. He's kind of a the only over forty guy that that Steve Jobs trusted because he really didn't trust older people, and uh, they actually met just in a waiting room at uh, a, a restaurant. They were sitting next to each other. Steve was a young hippie guy. They were reading the same news article about a young um, startup.com that went belly up, and uh, Jay had just been hired to be the CEO. He left Intel. Um, this company had had gone public. Um, the founder and owners all went partying, went drinking. The guy went out and bought a Ferrari and crashed it and died. And so the company imploded. And here this guy had just left Intel and was going to be the CEO and his job was gone before he even showed up for first day of work. So he's telling this young hippie guy this, you know, why he's reading the story. He has no idea who Steve Jobs is, who Apple is. It's only a $250 million company at the time. So Steve offers him a job right there. And, Steve, and Jay's like, I don't think you can afford me, buddy. Well, turned out he could. So he ends up hiring him. And he takes him there. And uh, one of the first things they do is go to this place um, that is actually a division of Xerox where they've got this prototype of a computer that has like a mouse and it points to icons on the screen. And Steve Jobs goes nuts. I mean, he just, he sees beyond uh, the, the, the mere technology of this $20,000 computer that they're going to build for businesses. And he says, you know, to Jay, this, this is going to revolutionize the pers personal computing. Well, things don't go well for Steve because uh, he want, they're working on a computer called Lisa. I don't know if you guys know this Apple history, but the next big computer, because the Apple II is selling well, a Apple's creating all kinds of things. They're doing good. They're tinkering. They got lots of money, so they're able to just you know crank out lots of little products and things. And their next big one's going to be this computer called Lisa. Well, Steve wants to take this mouse and icon technology where you move a mouse around, and he wants to incorporate into this Lisa computer. But, but that whole team... They're like, but bud, bug out, buddy. We, 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 you know, just go be the board chairman. We don't want anything to do with you. And then other powers that be um, promote Steve to chairman of the board, where he actually does a great job. But they completely block him out of having anything to do with this Lisa computer. And um, and so Steve, in his own company that he co-founded with Steve Wozniak, or was as he's known, it, it can't do anything 
to, and he's got this huge vision that he thinks is going to put a dent in the universe that is going to completely change, you know, personal computing. And yet um, he's locked out of, 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 of doing the very thing that he thinks is going to change. Can you imagine, you know, you've co-founded this company, you've got this huge vision, you, you want to make it happen, and, um, and you're being told you can't. So what he did is he excelled at the CEO thing, but there were all these other little companies, uh, divisions, doing these little things, and um, but he didn't give up. You know, you, you don't tell this guy no. So what he did is he kind of looked around, and he found out there was this little team working on a, another little project called the Macintosh, and they were over in these Texaco towers because they were by a Texaco gas station. And uh, so he goes over there, and uh, they were kind of a small group, and he kind of inserted himself over there, and he kind of started asking them questions about the navigation, and how could it be better, and how could it be improved, and, oh, have you have you seen this over here? I forget what it, what it was called, but this other little technology, and they acquired that, and they built up this Mac to make it become what would become the Macintosh, and it got to be so awesome and so cool that eventually it replaced the Lisa and, of course, catapulted the, the Mac computer to become what it is today. And um, I just thought there's a, a great story there because so often in ministry, you know, we get a great idea. We, we have this great vision of where we want to go. But then the powers that be, the senior pastor, the board, the property committee, the janitor, you know, that, that all-powerful administrative secretary who seems to be more powerful than the senior pastor who you know, has control over the budget and all these things, you know, gets in our way. And we can get discouraged, we can get angry, but if we really believe a vision is from God, if we really believe that this idea comes from God and has the potential to impact the kingdom of God and, and to change kids' lives and to impact families, we don't have to give up. We can decide, I'm going to excel at where God has me, which is what Steve did. I mean, he describes what an incredible CEO he was and how he he just blew everyone away in how informed he was and his gut instincts and everything. Yet at the same time, he didn't give up on this vision. But he found another path. He found a little side project over in these little towers and uh, asked questions, helped them discover what, what he kind of already knew the answer to so that they would embrace it. Because over at the Lisa team, you know, he was this external force trying to tell them how to do their job and, and, they, and they didn't like it. And, and he was able to, to, um, to bring about this vision, but he had to take a different path. And I just thought, you know what, that's true in ministry. I remember when I had a vision for Kidology, I had a vision for what the internet could be for children's ministry when most people didn't even have an email address. And I went to multiple ministries. In fact, I, I went to, I, I won't say which ones, but I went to about 10 different ministries pitching what I wanted to do on the internet and said, hey, if you'll just let me do the internet division of your ministry, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a percentage of the income to the mother ministry. Just let me run this and got rejected multiple times, every time by every ministry. And um, people just didn't get it. And I finally said, well, I guess I'm going to have to go about this in a different way. And because uh, I, I was just so passionate about the potential for networking ideas and resources and helping small companies be able to get the resources out and and Kenology has become um, what what it is today. And um, but but it took a willingness to say I'm going to have to go a different path or do this a, a different way, um, an, an opposite way. And I could spend a lot of time talking about how backwards I did everything. You know, being membership based when everyone was doing advertising and avoiding the whole internet bubble. Uh, pop, which a lot of people don't even remember, uh, but the internet 
crash um, because all the models were not sustainable and we were doing this crazy model that was completely different. And um, But anyway, there's times in ministry you have to do that where you've got to say, okay, I'm going to excel where I've been stuck. I'm going to have to become really good at the things I don't love, administration, management, recruiting and all this. But I'm going to find an avenue. I'm going to find a way to do this passionate ministry that God has me to do. So I'm going to keep reading this book. I, I think there's some great ministry applications. Of course, we're always sad that Steve never embraced the Lord or embraced the gospel. Um, and of course, there's um, some things we're not going to necessarily agree with or like. But I think there's some great uh, lessons to be learned um, from his life. And um, so worth worth looking at and worth, worth talking about. Hey, um, I want to talk about and let you in on a couple of secret things. And then and we'll wrap this podcast up. I said we're sponsored today by Speedstacks and Awana. And here's why. Years ago, if you're not familiar with Speedstacks, uh, those are those cups. And, and it's it, they're, they're created for the sport that they call sports stacking. All right, So it's sports stacking with Speedstacks. Speedstacks are the cups. Sports stacking is the sport. And you can go to speedstacks.com. You can also go to the World Sports Stacking Association website, wssa.com, to learn more about the sport and the competitions that they have, the world tournaments that they have now all over the world. I've, I've gone and I've competed and no, I, I didn't win. I didn't place very high. I mean, you get three chances. I mean, you're like under pressure. It's incredible. Um, but it's a blast to be there with like 5,000 kids and adults, um, all sports stacking. But when I discovered sports stacking, it was, um, it, it was by accident. In fact, um, it, it sounds sad. I always feel awkward explaining this because it sounds like such a morbid, sad story, but I don't view it that way. But my mom died of cancer in 1996, and she died on Christmas Day, which also sounds horribly sad, but it was a victory. I mean, my mom was diagnosed in April. Um, she was given a couple weeks to live, and she, she lived that whole year. In fact, she made it through my birthday and my brother's birthday in September, and then my sister's birthday in October, and my other sister's birthday in November. She made it to Thanksgiving and she made it all the way to Christmas. In fact, my little brother, along with my dad, he was still in the nest, uh, you know, just gave her permission um, and re- released her and just a, a beautiful experience that they had together um, to go home. And, uh, and and she did quite peacefully and, and quite beautifully on Christmas morning. And so it was obviously a very somber Christmas, um, but we did still gather around together. And, um, and my last gift from my mom was a set of stacking cups. Now, they weren't Speed Stacks brand. They were kind of a knockoff uh, generic brand. I didn't know about Speed Stacks. And they were called Cup Stacks, and they were from a dollar store. And um, my mom had gave me three sets of them, and she wrote in her handwriting, um, I'm sure you'll find a, a great way to use these in kids' ministry. Well, being the last kids' ministry gift from my mom, of course, I love these, and I went nuts with them. And so I used them in camps and children's church, and I took it really seriously with a lot of hyperbole and fun, saying this is the next greatest Olympic sport, made up my own rules and everything, and I used them all over, and the kids just had a blast with it. Little did I know that a PE instructor named Bob Fox had had discovered the same thing um, using the cup stacking in his PE and and the kids had gone nuts and he had bought this generic brand or another one and and couldn't buy them fast enough and ended up founding a speed stacks company. Well, I'm at CPC, I'm exhibiting the next year and a friend of mine, Dave Van Clay, comes over to me and uh, they're setting up their booth, um, Dave and Jody Van Clay and their kids performers and said, Carl, there's a cup stacking booth over there. And I'm like, yeah, right. You're pulling my leg. I didn't believe him. I honestly thought the guy 
was trying to, you know, get me to go look for a cup stacking booth. And then uh, hardy, hardy har har, you know, when, when I couldn't find it. So later I'm walking around. This is before the exhibit hall opens. And when I see this cup stacking booth, well, they would prefer I say sports stacking booth, but, you know, I wasn't educated back then. And I'm like, there's all different colored cups and there's weighted ones for practicing and there's mini ones and there's time mat. I mean, I was like a kid to candy store. It was like Christmas morning. I was so sure they were going to sell out in the first five minutes of the exhibit hall opening. I was in there early because it was exhibitors setting up. I grabbed one of everything, added up from their chart what I owed him, and it was like 200 bucks. I wrote him an IOU on a business card and left it on their table. Well, I came back later and they weren't sold out. And I said, I'm the guy that stole from you and I, I need to pay. Well, I met this guy named Roger Washburn and I said, I'm your biggest fan. I know nothing about your company or your sport, um, but I just want you to know I'm your biggest fan. I'm, I'm going to be your biggest supporter from this day forward. And um, I said, I know how to stack. Well, of course, I did it wrong. I didn't know there was an official cycle and all that. So I, I showed him how I did it. He took my cups away. He said, well, you can't buy them unless you learn to do it right. So all right, well, teach me how to do it correctly. So he did, and I learned, and I took it home, and I started implementing sports stacking into my ministry. Well, to, you know, make a already too long story shorter, this became one of the most effective outreaches in my church. Because as I started doing these sports stacking clinics, as I called them, during the summer on Tuesday mornings for kids to come and learn to stack, they would bring their friends. They'd take their stacking cups to school. And then their kids would want to learn. Uh, this is in the fall, obviously. They would take their stacks to school. Then I got invited into the classrooms to demonstrate and teach it. So we started incorporating it into our WANA club. And kids would start coming to Awana to want to learn how to stack and to stack in their Awana games and everything. And uh, so this merger of the sports stacking with Awana, I was like, I got friends at Awana. I got friends at the, the Speed Stack company because we started selling them on Kidology. And I started promoting on Kidology that this is a great tool to engage kids in your children's ministry and get them to invite their friends. And, and um, Speedstack started crediting Kidology with um, helping them expand into the church market as they really were a school product up to that point. And um, so for years, I kept trying to get Awana and Speedstacks uh, to talk. Well, when I moved to Colorado, I found out um, that Speedstacks headquarters is like five minutes from my house. So finally, I, I had um, a much easier time, even though I'd lived five minutes from Awana headquarters back in Chicago. So anyway, uh, trying to wrap this up, I became kind of like the realtor uh, or a consultant between Speedstacks and Awana. And I have been kind of brokering and working with both organizations because I know both organizations so well. Uh, I've had an Awana club in almost every ministry that I have the privilege to be a children's pastor at. And, and I've obviously used sports stacking in my ministry. And so I've been working with Speedstacks um, and I've been working with the game experts at Awana. We've been creating Awana games all last year. You might have seen it on my blog. We did a trial run with almost 50 churches practicing and trying out the Awana Circle games. I mean, these are even better than what I did in my own ministry because I actually had Awana consulting on the games. And I had Speedstacks experts consulting on the games. So they took you know, my ideas of what I did and totally improved them. And then we had churches actually participate. Some of you listening did this um, because I emailed all my friends and people responded from my blog. And um, and then they said, hey, this worked. This didn't work. This would make the game better. We've completely redone it. I've been out to Awana twice. In fact, I was out there twice this month 
filming with kids at Awana headquarters, and then I'm on video explaining how to do sports stacking and how they want games work along with Roger Washburn. And, and Don Teals uh, is the, 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 the guy that runs speed stacks just under the founder, Bob Fox. He was there off camera, but he's, he's in a couple of the pictures there. Um, and this thing is going to be in the Awana catalog. And this fall, if you've got an Awana club, you have the opportunity now to introduce sports stacking into your Awana Circle games um, as an option. I mean, you don't do it all year, but you could do it for uh, you know a two-month period or something. And the next thing I'm going to be really encouraging them to do, it's not officially in the plans, but I'm pushing, and you can email and join me. And they're probably going to listen to the podcast, and they know this. I want to see an Awana National Online Tournament, you know, where kids are now competing in Awana Club, and we'll know who the national sparky, you know, sports stacking champion is, who the fastest TNT boy is in America, because they could all upload the winners from their churches um, with their tournament scores, and it could be a whole website thing. So anyway, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's where I'd like to see this go. But anyway, um, but even if you don't have an Awana Club, um, I still highly recommend that you look at incorporating sports decking into your children's ministry. I'm planning to write an ebook um, this year or for sure next year on how to use sports decking in your ministry. So if you don't have an Awana club, you still can benefit from this. It, it, it's just incredible. Hey, well, I am I'm really going over time. So I'm just going to tease you with what I'll probably talk about in more detail in the next web, um, next podcast. But if you have ever used the salvation cards um, that are available on Kidology, it's one of the best gospel presentations um, that I've ever uh, come up with and, and used. Uh, it's one I've been using since college where I saw it done in a very basic form. I have no idea who came up with it originally, but I adapted it, created it. It's published through One Way Street. We have totally redone it. And it is completely awesome. It's going to be a downloadable resource. It, um, it's going to be live within days. Otherwise, it would be linked. Um, it's, we're calling it the U-Turn Cards. And it's going to have an even awesomer, is that a word? Awesomer? Awesomer, incredibler, um, cooler um, bonus feature, which I'm not even going to say what it is. But you're going to love it. All right? It's going to be even better, all right? It was an idea of our webmaster to make um, the salvation cards um, even better. So it's called U-Turn Cards. It's a traffic motif using the Romans Road, and you're going to love it. So the last thing I wanted to encourage you today is Kidology was born out of a concept I came up with almost 20 years ago as a creative children's pastor, and I hope I can say that and, and have it not come off and is not being humble or something, but I know I'm not the only one. And I know there's people listening to this podcast who like me, they know they're creative and they know they, they come up with great ideas. And sometimes there's ones where you just go, man, that was good. And you know, that's not pride. Pride is when you say you're better than somebody else, but being proud of the gifts God gave you and knowing you did a, a job well done is not pride. It's only pride when you begin to elevate yourself above others. But knowing you did a good job for Christ and you did your best for the benefit of your kids, that satisfaction of knowing you did well is not a bad thing. And early in my ministry, I decided, realizing there were others who, who struggled in ministry or who didn't have the upbringing of a mom who was a super CE director, you know, or a dad who was a pastor or the biblical training, who could benefit from, from those things. 
I, I came with a concept, what I call a tithe of my ministry time. And I said, I want to I wanna take that little bit of extra time to share what I've done and just to put it out there on the web so that others can benefit from it. And realizing that I wasn't the only person who, who could, you know, create a great object lesson or come up with a magic trick, I wanted to know what, what they were doing so that I could, so if thought if I, if I give what I do, if I take that tithe of my ministry time, if I take that little extra time to, after I teach the lesson, to throw it out on the internet or to, to, to type up the description of how to do the object lesson instead of just a, a rough description that's thrown on my music stand so that when I teach it, but I actually kind of describe how to do it and maybe take a picture and then throw it out there on the web, others will do the same and then and I can benefit from their great ideas and go, man, that's good stuff. I want to use that. It becomes this reciprocal thing. And so I want to just ask you, if, and if that's not you and you're just like a sponge that says, man, I just need stuff. That's cool. That's what Kidology is there for. But I know there's people out there who you just created a great craft and you secretly go, man, that was awesome. The kids love that. Take that tithe of your ministry time. Take that extra 20 minutes on Friday, or maybe it's Monday morning after Sunday, because Sunday just, you hit it out of the park. And you go, man, that was really good. I bet other people could benefit from that. Take that time to submit to Kidology. It's right at the top of the website. Don't worry about making it fancy, because I got I got a team that will do that. They'll fix the typos. They'll clean up the graphic. They'll resize it if you upload a picture or description. Just give it to us raw because it doesn't go live until we look at it because we, we make sure the theology is good. We make sure the spelling is good. We make sure it looks good. But, man, if you just did a bang-up object lesson or maybe maybe there's a, some area of ministry that you're just an expert at. You know you're an expert at it, all right? And maybe it's bus ministry. Maybe it's recruiting. Maybe it's something that, man, you've just learned over the years. Or maybe you're a great blogger. And you just write a zinger of a blog post. You get done with that thing and you're just like, man, this is good. I, I wish more people could read this. That's not a bad thought. Sometimes that's a Holy Spirit thought. You know what? Submit it to Kidology. Just go to the top there. Don't be shy. Um, don't have that false humility that goes, well, you know, I should be humble. So I should just stay here in obscurity. No, share it. All right, and we would love to put that up there. If you want us to put at the bottom a link to your blog or something like that so that we can help generate some traffic for you, we'll be happy to do that for you, all right? And if you've written a whole curriculum or something, you just want to give it away freely, we'll do that. If it's if it's of a quality that you feel like, man, I, I really would love to sell this. We're, we're open to considering that. And there's a lot of great resources on Kidology. And we can sell it as a download product. And we're open to considering that. And even investing in you and helping create a cover or formatting it or editing it. We can partner with you in that way. All right. But there's, um, I know there's people out there who've got great stuff. And we've got literally tens of thousands of people on our website weekly who are wanting the stuff that you are creating each week. So um, consider... Consider taking that tithe of your ministry time to share the stuff that God is giving you and that your kids are enjoying. Because imagine if other people, not only around the United States, but literally around the world, we've got kids workers from over 70 countries. And uh, we're giving scholarships away almost on a daily basis in places all over the world. I mean, countries I've never heard of. We get emails, we're giving scholarships to them. And if you could bless those Kidman workers, those missionaries, those students, those that, that we give Kidology Way to free every day, um, how awesome would that be to help us build the kingdom um, by sharing the great ideas that you have with 
others. You, you could really partner with us because our mission is to equip and encourage those in children's ministry. So don't just be a receiver, be a giver. Be a cheerful giver of the ideas and the resources and the ideas and the experience that you have. And you too can be a part of the of team kidology of um, just helping uh, put stuff out there. We've got um, I don't know how many tens of thousands of posts and, and forum posts and resources out there. And you can be a part of building that searchable database and be a blessing to others. Well, until next time, this is Carl. And thank you so much for taking this time with me. If you want to communicate back with me, I would love to hear from you. Remember, all you have to do is email me, carl at kidmantalk.com. That does go directly to me. It's not filtered by staff because I love to hear from podcast listeners. If you're on Twitter, it's just at kidmantalk. And if you're on Facebook, you can post on the Kidology page. You can also go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash bastion just remember carl is spelled with a k and you can shape the show if you've got a question you've got a topic that you would like me to address then all i want you to do is just let me know and it very well could become a topic on the next episode of kidman talk and real quick i got a book i want to give away it's called Embry's gift it's a great novel about a young boy and an amazing adventure he goes on just ask for it and it's yours until next time this is carl